Welcome to the Mind Money Spectrum podcast, where your hosts, Aaron Ogti and Trishal Patel, go beyond traditional finance questions to help you explore how to use your money to achieve the freedom you want in life. Hi, my name is Aaron Ogti. I'm a financial advisor in the Bay Area, and I'm here with Trishal Patel, a wealth manager on the East Coast. Hey, Aaron, great to be here today. And thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. That's a new word to our intro. Uh, even though this is the 118th episode of our podcast, this is our first attempt at video. So we're going to hope that you are patient with us and forgive us for the amazing conversation you're about to participate or listen in on, but the really poor video version of it. So uh, before we get to our topic, do you want to add anything about our, our transition from podcast only and audio only to video? It's hard to say how this is going to go, Aaron. So this is very much an experiment in real time. <laughs> We're using um, some sort of program here that's meant to do this live. So we are live, and again, we'll see how this goes, but I'm quite excited. That's a great point. I actually love the idea, like, we've talked about these little experiments. Like, you don't need to get everything right. You don't need to be absolutely perfect, but, like, that, let's experiment. Let's iterate. Let's try again next time. So uh, one of the things, I have an alarm set for when we normally record. I have to now add putting on a sweater or a nicer shirt to my process. <laughs> So, uh, but again, we're, we're trying to, to live the way we recommend and we discuss through our conversations. So this is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. All right. Let, let's kick it off. Okay. So today we are talking roughly solar power. Uh, we're trying to get into kind of the economics of, of kind of putting solar panels on a roof We'll get to a little bit of like solar or electric vehicles. Um, and this is one of those kind of back and forth things that is worth a conversation because there's no clear cut answer. I live in the Bay Area. I like driving to Tahoe. I know a few people, quite a few people who now own Teslas. And one of the things that I personally think about is can the Tesla drive to Tahoe and is kind of the range there. But there's so many other factors for different people at different points in their lives. But we're trying to think about like just solar power. We'll get into a little bit of like the environmental benefit, but very, very roughly, is it worth it? So Trisha, when uh, you first brought this up of kind of discussing solar panels, what was the genesis of that thought process? Well, I, I've been following, you know, just evolution in solar technology for like 10, 15 years or so. And I, I even remember when I was a kid, I had those very cheap solar cells that you get from like, um, you know, probably like the science center or, you know, wherever, like the museum gift store or what, and whatnot. And what it could really do is if you hooked it up to like a light bulb, you could probably get a glimpse of, you know, the filament glowing a bit, you know, very small one-tenth of a watt light bulb and you put it in very strong sun and maybe something happens. Right. But so it, I, I like that. Like in retrospect, as I think about it, it is a great example of how it's generating electricity, but you need like the solar light <laughs> to power the light, light bulb like <laughs> yeah, yeah like like in retrospect it's like nah, that's not the best use of that like tenth of a watch <laughs> i'm sure it was incredibly inefficient but you know for, for a kid <laughs> it, it does kind of open up the imagination a bit on, on what's yeah, possible yeah. and of course there, there's been huge evolutions in, in solar similar to what we've kind of seen with like the microprocessor and costs like that. Mm -hmm. I, I pulled up an article that I saw not too long ago, and it kind of mirrors the story of what we've seen in just, you know, renewable technology pricing over the last mm -hmm. you know decade or two. 
And what the title of the article, a little clickbaity, but it says, but it, it, it's likely true. Solar is now the cheapest electricity in history. You know, meaning just come according to the IEA, the International Energy Agency, solar ha has kind of come to the point where in scale, it can be rolled out more efficiently and for lower long-term costs than other forms of energy. So it, it's one of those things where, okay, wow, we, we've got to this tipping point. And then once you kind of pass that tipping point, it's quite likely the point of no return. That the way I kind of like to think of it myself is when you're using like standard older technologies, like you think about like an internal combustion engine, there's only so much you can kind of squeeze out of an engine that still relies on like gasoline. You could maybe go from, you know, like 20 miles per gallon to like 30, maybe 40, but you know, you're hitting improvements of maybe 20, 30%, 50%, maybe a hundred percent improvement. Yeah. But, you know, when you talk about solar and now you're moving to something that's, you know, previously analog to more digital, you kind of think about the progress we've made in the digital sphere with like electronics. We're talking exponential growth, you know, the, the doubling of transistors every 18 months with Moore's Law and things like that. Oh, interesting. It, it opens up, I think, a new paradigm. So what we've literally seen with solar is... For example, in the last 10 years, believe it or not, the price of solar has dropped about 90%. Okay. Okay. So that, that means not a factor of, you know, you know, having, or basically it's uh, something that used to cost a hundred cost 10 bucks, right? Something that used to cost a thousand dollars only cost a hundred bucks. And it's likely to be true that those types of accelerations and improvements can continue for a good amount of time forward as we learn to scale this up. Things that are going to help it is these other side technologies that are helping solar forward, you know, battery technology and being able to store this. And of course, just other renewables are, are also doing their part in addition to just pure solar themselves. And then finally, we, we've seen solar as big projects, but we've also seen solar as more individual home projects. And I think, you know, just like a solution that will require many different sources to kind of fill in the whole energy pie, I, I think solar can, in its many manifestations, make that up and, and help quite a bit. So I still get certain notifications from UCLA. Just, I, I like following things that UCLA is doing and, uh, I'll get notifications for sports teams, notification about science departments. Uh, so every now and then I'll get like these really cool projects that they're working on where they have made a more or less a window glass that can generate energy from solar power that is, is uh, able to see through like you could a normal window and on the out exterior, you have some kind of solar power that isn't blocking the view. And the dream is a few years down the road, like the sides of all the skyscrapers in all these downtowns could be just huge solar panels that are enough to power at the very least its own building. But again, if enough of these that, that even could be an excess, because you're thinking like just the amount of surface area that is exposed to the sun that could generate that much more power. Uh, another project I've seen is that they're working on printable solar cells. And I don't know uh, if that's like a 3D printer. I don't know if it's like you can use this, the regular HP office jet that you have that I have sitting behind me, or you can use a specialized printer, but they do like anyone could make their own solar cell or, so, or solar panel. And it again, makes it a little more accessible. Uh, so these are kind of two projects I've, I was really interested in. But I think those are still a little farther away in terms of adoption. I think our conversation today is more like you can put a solar panel on your roof right now. And it's like you said, it's one of the different ways of it's not the city or the state or the, or the national government paying for that. It's, oh, there might be some tax rebates. We'll get into that. Uh, it's not the developer building a new building using these new technologies. It's just how many people will pay a few thousand dollars to put solar panels on their roof. And that's kind of, the, I think that's the, the, where we're 
at right now in terms of the adoption of the technology? Would you, would you say that's a kind of a fair assessment? I, I think so. So I'm going to share my screen. And this is interesting. We, we haven't been able to do this before. And of course, it's always awesome to try this for the first time while we're live. But let's see if it works. And then I can walk through this chart um, that we're seeing right now. Let, let's see. If so this works. is the benefit of video where you can actually show the chart instead of us describing the chart like we always have before. Right. Okay. So do we see that? Is, or Aaron, yeah. do you yep. see that? At least? <laughs> I do. Okay. So here we have a chart of the price of solar compared to other technologies over time. And okay. I can even zoom in a bit so that it's bigger on, on this presenter screen. But basically what we're seeing here is electricity from renewables are becoming cheaper. And this sharp line that's going down is basically the price of solar or solar photovoltaic. And what it basically says is in 2010, the price per megawatt hour was like $400, $380 or something. Mm -hmm. And now it's $68 in 2019, nine years later, literally just crumbled in price. And you compare that to the other prices in this chart. Um, again, you have coal, which again, there's only so much you can make to improve the efficiency of coal. It used to be yeah. $111 you know, dollars per megawatt hour, and now it's 109 Okay, great. But <laughs> how long until that reaches $68 of solar? Yeah. Right? And at that point, why would anybody ever build a coal plant ever again if you could get solar for half the price? And then on yeah. 10 years from now, imagine if solar drops another you know, order of magnitude lower. Yeah. It's pretty much the point where, again, the point of no return. You even see nuclear energy here. And apparently the price of nuclear per megawatt hour has increased by over 50% in that same time period. And it just kind of makes you wonder, okay, well, does that even make sense anymore? I and, wonder if there's either regulatory yep. or storage issues there. Because the fact that it, I can't imagine the technology has gotten worse. Uh, yeah, I, so I, I'm going to make sure to click uh, read this article later. Right. So, you know, the footnote here is well, there, there's really no learning, right? There, there's no extra things we're learning about nuclear to make it more efficient. Mm, okay. And the same thing with, with coal. But clearly, we're, we're doing a good job learning about how to become more efficient with offshore wind, onshore wind, solar. You know, by the way, the leader here is onshore wind. Um, currently, it's $53 per megawatt hour. But at the same time, all of these renewable choices, there's a downward slope on the price. That's yeah. pretty significant. And you know that that chart, especially when it comes to solar, it does remind me of that that Moore's law, that computing process in terms of how much it, how much better it's getting, how quickly it's getting so much better. That that right. is looking at like cost per. It, it's like um, maybe not thinking about how more how much faster and more powerful your processor is but you think like the cost of storing it's cost and size of storing a terabyte of data where you go back 12 15 20 years and you like maybe can get a server like you're you're, bu you're buying a industrial server and then you go back about 10 years you get a bookend and now you get like you could probably get a terabyte like you could get like a terabyte, like small, not not quite, maybe not thumb drive size, but maybe maybe you could. But more mm -hmm. likely, you're just storing it on your like a Google Drive online. That's gonna keep your storage that high anyway. So you know you no longer even need the physical device on your desk. And so both cost and ease of storage, that's a direct way to think about how much cheaper and more efficient it's get. And solar looks exactly the same in that downward trend. Yeah. And again, I don't see it slowing down because like you said, at some point you can start throwing solar all over the place because the marginal cost is so cheap. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I even remember one of these episodes we did a couple years ago where, where I had mentioned, I really feel the price of energy is going to drop to almost nothing. Yeah. Similar to how we've seen with the price of information. It's nothing mm -hmm. now. Right? You can get anything you want 
online for almost free. And if we see similar trends with computing power and you know access to other types of resources, I don't see why the same can't happen for energy. Yeah, yeah. So as you kind of again, you had your uh, little solar powered light bulb, which again was like the weirdest use of solar power because you have to be already out in the light. But what was the next thing that kind of you were thinking about as as this was coming up? So, you know, I, I've been watching it. And again, a lot of this is just economics, cost benefit, right? And the notion is, yeah, 10 years ago, when it was 10 times higher, you know, the price, it probably didn't make sense for many, many people to start doing this. But at some point, the price is going to get so low that it might be a no-brainer. It's one of the things, for example, where if you're building a new home and you have this from the ground one, it might just be, why wouldn't you get solar rather than do we need solar? Mm. Okay, so so maybe it, when you first saw that chart, did you feel like, oh, that makes sense? Or did you feel kind of some shock of like, oh, that's so much better than I thought it was? Oh, it was shock because about, you know, call it five years ago in 2017, I started looking into solar for real, you know, for my home where I'm in right now. And we were pricing it out and the break-evens were almost there for it to be worthwhile, but it wasn't quite there. And, you know, the technology also was almost there, but not quite there. For example, what we ended up doing is we priced out a system for the roof and we priced out two actually applications of the solar. One is for our hot water and the other is for all other electricity needs. So at the time you could do solar for hot water at a, in a, a, its own system that, that was actually a little more cost effective. And the idea there is you're just having pipes that pull the hot water onto the roof and oh, then they I go see. through pipes on the hot roof and they actually heat up very hot. I mean, we have, we have very hot water all <laughs> 24 seven, uh, 365. And yeah, the, the idea there is that's what keeps your hot water heater going. And for okay. many people, that is actually a big source of their electricity needs for us at the time. I think we calculated it was like about 30 to 40% of our electricity needs. Okay, so in that in that case, solar power is not what we think of in terms of solar light converting to electricity and electricity heating your water. It really is just kind of some kind of amplification of the normal light, like uh, if you do a magnifying glass on a on a spot in the sidewalk, you can kind of burn a leaf kind of thing. So it's like it's just taking the energy itself that it's already doing, amplifying it enough to be able to heat the water directly and then it stores it efficiently enough that when you're ready to take a shower in the middle of the night you still have hot water yeah yeah and, and you know the, the math was pretty simple basically you look at your current energy your hot water heater tank and it says on there you know energy star this is going to cost you like 40 50 dollars a month right yeah. and our electricity needs were like 120 dollars a month something like that at that time so we're like okay so one third of our electricity is actually going for this tank right here which yeah. could easily be heated from pipes going up to the roof and then coming back down, you know, not so easily. It ended up being based on our math. It was like four or 5,000. Right. Okay. There, there was a tax credit at the time. I'll talk about that in more detail a little bit, but that did subsidize the cost by like, you know, a third or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I used like a, a credit card sign up bonus or something. And that basically saved another like $500. And at that point, okay, it was like $3,000. And I calculated a break even, you know, $40 a month times 12 months. How long do you break even on 3000? I'm like, okay, this makes sense. You know, then yeah. we got to a, a number where now um, we're close to it, passing the break even point. Meaning once we pass that point, Every month after that, we'll have free water until that system expends its useful life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're actually looking at, we're having the process of having our roof redone and adding solar. And so we haven't done any data yet, but it 
should be enough solar panels to both cover all of our house electric electrical use and then potentially uh if we were to get an electric vehicle it could charge that as well and hey, the cost is somewhere in the eight to fifteen thousand dollar range I, i'm not 100 sure about that uh but it's one of those kind of okay what's our electric use per per month how many months or how many years is it going to take to, to break even are we living there long okay yeah let's let's do this it's, it's worth the cost and it is still considered kind of a long-term investment like there's a you have a significant cash outlay and it's going to save a little bit per month over a while and so kind of i can see for some people that the cash outlay may still not be worth it um, this is kind of where tax rebates can come into help, uh, come into play, and that they can help out with that. But it there's enough other things in just life in general that even though I can say, oh yes, this will pay off in five years, you should do this. Enough people have different scenarios where you know what, I have a better use of that cash in my life, and so that's why it. I, still feels like we're at that stage where that break-even analysis, that cost-benefit analysis is still necessary. It's not a just slam dunk, everyone should do it, but we are getting really close because the when, when we were getting the quotes, I was, I was surprised that the solar panels they were putting on our roof were going to provide significant excess over our current usage. I think that was one of the things that I would was did not realize the solar power had gotten that efficient uh just having a family of five we have a five-bedroom house it's um i i expected like oh it'll help out a decent amount and it'll kind of lower electric costs a little bit but to see that oh no it's going to completely eliminate our electric bill plus likely take care of any future use that that was pretty impressive yeah and it is a in that zone of where if you, you got to do the math a bit. And what I also started to realize, for example, is, you know, with the cost benefit analysis, you can also do something like um, IRR calculation, meaning you think about this as an investment and you can understand, okay, what rate of return am I getting on this investment? You can do the math. And, and yeah. the interesting thing is uh, with solar these days, you can get IRRs in the teens yeah. and, for many businesses, if they could do that, they do that all day long, right? Because yeah. it's it's the point of making business sense if you do the math. And for many people, um, they're not in a business, right? So it, it is a bit of a different story. But th there are also other nuances to consider depending on your specific situation. I, I say that because w we also ended up pricing out solar recently for our current home here. And we ran into a, a couple of things that made sense and a couple of things that actually didn't make sense. So uh, to start with the things that make sense, we, we did actually the break-even analysis. In fact, we, you could get this a lot more easily done. There's um, vendors out, out there and third-party marketers that consolidate quotes, right? Similar to how you can now shop around for quotes for insurance or mortgages right and credit cards we use something similar for uh solar and the the company i ended up going with it's called energy sage um, there might be others I, I don't even know if this is one of the bigger or better ones but they, they got me two quotes from two competitors in the area and i can show some numbers that that they kind of provided to me again we're, we're going to do this screen sharing thing <laughs> in real time let's see if that works all right okay okay so the, the, these are two quotes that i got and um the first quote it ended up coming at 2.6 dollars per watt so basically you take the total wattage of the system most household systems need something like 10,000 watts or something and then you take the cost and you divide the two a few things to keep in mind is first we're going to look at the net investment that's the amount you got to outlay today right okay 
but then you take out any credits, you reduce that amount yeah. by any credits you could potentially get. Yeah. And now we talk about the credits. So the credits are actually about 30% now. So that this is from energy.gov, the government website. And they've been changing the cutoffs and things like that. But it, one thing to note is over the summer, they launched a new energy bill or a new renewable bill. It, this went through the news. It was mm -hmm. one of the most significant bills to kind of target climate change in our nation's history. And one of the things that it did is it helped lock in these solar credits and expanded upon them. So okay. one of the big things is it used to be 26% tax credit, and now it's going to be 30% through 2033, meaning literally one third of the price of this system will be chopped off and funded by the government, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, you take that account into account in the break-even analysis. Let me pull that back. One moment here. I'm going to have to do more consolidation of tabs before I <laughs> we, we, we get this going next time. But uh, essentially, what we did, it, what we have here is the break-even analysis. Let me remove this. The third tab was my quotes. Oh, you knew it, Aaron. <laughs> I should have solicited my co-host. Okay, so yeah, so the $16,000 of net investment after you compensate for the credit, and then you figure out the break-even. For this particular quote, it's about 12 years, meaning after that point, the system will basically be giving me energy that has already been paid for, for every year that it works after that. Yep. Uh, the, the second quote, very similar. This break even was about 10 years. So again, investment. yeah, uh, lower net investment. So it looks like this one's a little bit more competitive. You know, what I found out is the difference in price came down to the different solar cells. So the top one was a bit higher because they were using more premium Panasonic cells, whereas okay. the lower one were using less premium cells. But overall, you know, just good quality and they're, they're warranted for about 25 to 30 years. So there's yeah. at least half of that life where this is kind of free, air quotes. Yeah. So that that's the good, right? It, this overall is making sense from that perspective. Now, just a few things I'd add in to keep in mind. One is this doesn't include battery, meaning if... Mm. Um, we need to store energy for a night or any other use, like the power grid goes down and it's very cloudy for many days. Well, then this system wouldn't pick up that slack to add in a battery. You know, it might cost another yeah. 10,000 or so. I think the other that was thing to, a big part of yep. our, our analysis. Yeah. And, and the other thing to consider is, and this was a big point for us is, if you put this on an older roof and now you got to change the roof, now you have two problems. Yeah. You got to take that whole system out and put a new roof, and then you got to put this whole system back. So installation is a big part of this this cost here. It's you know maybe even half the cost to get this going, and to imagine to do that and then have to redo it. Well, now that's certainly going to affect your break even numbers. I say this because, for example, in our home, this is a 2004 home. We're talking about a roof that's 18 years. Roofs generally last about 25 to 30 years. So that's been the hesitation for us. It's yeah. been the notion of, okay, well, we might be entering the end of you know days for our roof. Is now the right time knowing that we might have to have a new roof put in soon? So yeah. that you know, then yeah, then the calculation is do we put the new roof in right now and just get the solar and then immediately start saving? Well, what if we have literally 10 more years that our roof, roof ends up lasting well that, that would make a big difference because now we lost 10 years of productivity and that would change the break even uh, i would say one more thing on this so 10 years lost on the roof may not sound like a big deal but let's say we waited like five years we put the new roof on and then we put the solar system on well guess what when you put a solar system on the roof it voids the warranty on the roof so that, that's just another kind of catch 22 to think about. So I, we actually came up from the opposite direction. We had to get a new roof 
anyways, uh, our house was built in the early '80s, and the roof has never been changed. So we're 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 getting as close like a forty year roof. We're getting forty years out of a thirty year roof, and we we knew this when we bought the house, and like this is cost is coming up, and so we chose a company that was going to do the new roof and the solar along with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they're kind of in the middle of the construction project. They've completed the roof part. They still need to add the solar. They have to redo the electrical box. But the fact that they did them together did help our decision-making process where, yes, we had the the increased cost of the roof, but solar ended up being less than the cost of the roof by about a third. And the company still has the same warranty going along with the roof. So that that's another reason why we felt comfortable with this process. But yeah, we, we had like, well, we're getting a new roof anyways. Do we add solar at this time? So mm-hmm. that, that was a big factor in our decision-making process. And I can see how, yeah, you don't want to redo the roof early if you don't need to like we get we really stretched this out but i i think you might be able to keep that warranty if you do them at the same time by the especially by the same company yeah that's kind of it the contractor that does the roof has to um be involved in that process I, i think for example we had our roof we had you know there was um a hurricane that passed through florida a couple weeks ago we got very lucky here. All all it did for us is it, it blew off some of the the shingles on our roof, the the, the tiles, right? Yeah. So we, we had somebody come up, and I mentioned the solar and the feedback from uh, this, you know, the contractors that I spoke with were, you don't want solar because <laughs> you know X, Y, and Z. But clearly, you know, th- this was a contractor that doesn't do solar in addition yeah. to roofs. <laughs> <laughs> that that comes up all the time of like what's the incentive of the person that we're that you're talking to right. so um so are you getting solar anytime soon you think you're waiting for the five years five to ten years till the roof's ready yeah it, it's the whole roof ready situation that that's giving us pause frankly uh you know the the other thing he did mention is a lot of people, their average amount of time they stay in a home is seven to 10 years. Well, that, that's yeah. near that break even. So they might not actualize, you know, that positive ROI. It, it could help the home price, but, you know, it may not help the home price seven years from now when people realize, hey, you can get a new solar system for much yeah. less than, than that one you paid for. So it, it is tricky. Yeah, that that's a good point that similar to the decision of like renting and buying when, when clients ask me hey we li- want to live in this area should we buy a house the commitment to location the like i know i want to be in this place for five preferably seven to ten years at least is almost always the more important factor over financial the when it comes to renting versus buying Renting gives you mobility in terms of looking for a new job, looking for a different school district. Whereas buying, if you're planning on moving within a few years, tends to not make a lot of financial sense. It takes that kind of longer term commitment of like, I know I want to be in this place. And it falls under that like stereotype and trope that I don't like to associate, but once kids start school, like, oh, I want to keep my kids in this school district, in this school for a long time. So that tends to help most situations, but it's not the only reason. This feels similar, that buying solar panels, paying for solar panels to be installed, does feel like a commitment to location just as much as buying a house. And so it might even make more sense of if you were to buy a new house, that's when you should put on the solar, uh, depending on getting warranty of the roof kind of thing. So, I'm trying to decide if I should ask the question, but like, your daughter's pretty young. Like, what what are the odds that you move 
out of this house before she leaves for college? Um, you know, g given our history, I'd say the odds are pretty high. And, and the reason I also say this is we we've moved around so much. Um, yeah. You know, I, I did the math since I, I left home to go to college. I've moved in the past 22 years about 20 times. Uh, my dad was in the Navy and we didn't move around that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it just started, to, you know, I, I had to run the numbers because I was like, that can't be true. Like, I, I really <laughs> But um, that's literally the amount of times where I had to pack up everything I have and move it to a new location and reset up shop. In the last 10 years, we probably moved like five or six times. Yeah, it, it's pretty hard to say you'll commit to living there for seven years. Yeah, that, that, that is that, one that thing. Yeah. That broke even on the quotes of 11.8 or 10.3. It's like, I'm not going to make it half to that. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we're not so tied down, but uh, also I'm, I'm getting to the point where I don't, I'm getting a little tired of all the moving. It does take a lot of energy. <laughs> I think each time you do one of these moves, you add in another carload of stuff, I guess. Said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now, it, you know, the, the drag and all, all the things is, is starting to feel more impactful. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll last a little longer this time. Um, we'll, we'll see. Okay. So when when you think of solar panels on roof, the that because we're still at that that cost benefit analysis stage where it's not a slam dunk, the tax rebate helps a lot. It actually reminds me of conversations I've had with friends and family. And a few couple clients about electric vehicles, where in general, cost of electric vehicles are greater than the cost of a comparable gas vehicle. Uh, it's it's hard to do a direct apples to apples comparison um, because the electric vehicles tend to have a variety of other features that the gas vehicles may not. It's kind of hard to compare a Tesla to an Acura because they're just there's so many other features that the Tesla has. But in general, when we look at that, electric vehicles cost more. There is a savings in gas per year. And it comes down to the same kind of cost-benefit analysis. Um, some studies I've seen, like an electric vehicle might cost on the scale of ten to 12000 more. The gas savings might be eight. Eight hundred to thousand dollars per year, but again, those are really rough averages. So depending on your situation, your use of the car, it could be more, could be less. And so, in terms of just the gas savings, it's usually on the scale of like six to ten years, uh, somewhere on the scale of one hundred twenty to two hundred thousand miles. And so, like, whatever you think, like, they consider the life of the car 200,000 miles, most studies. And it's not until you start to account for maintenance that it looks like lifetime maintenance on the electric vehicle is a little bit less than on a gas-powered vehicle. That helps bring down that true break-even cost of getting closer to that six- to seven-year range. But it's still the same idea of... Are you willing to spend more on an electric vehicle? You will get gas savings each year, but it takes years to pay off. It's not a slam dunk yet. Um, you start to get a little bit of that convenience factor of, okay, how do we power the electric vehicle at home? Uh, and also, if we are out and about, how long does it take to recharge it versus filling up at a gas station? And so when you think of that, that cost-benefit analysis, like short answer, do you think it's worth it? Or is it still like personal situation and enough other factors that maybe it's worth it for some, but not worth it for others? Right. Yeah. Uh, again, this is unscripted, so we're doing it live and, uh, 
apropos to what you just mentioned, I had to do the similar analysis not too long ago, like a month or two ago, because my daughter switched daycares and her first daycare was in town and her new daycare is farther. It, you know, we went from like a seven mile commute to like 40 mile commute one way. And we started doing the math on having our in-town SUV, which was our primary vehicle. And we realized it's going to cost a lot more just to, <laughs> in gas to get her to and from school, especially if we're dropping her, coming back, and then picking her up, you know, driving there and then coming back. That's four round mm -hmm. trips. Uh, so I, I have the, I just quickly opened up the spreadsheet. Yeah, I'm not going to share the whole thing because it, it was too much fun for me, but vastly boring for anybody else who wants to see it. But I'll share some tidbits. Basically, with our SUV, we're, we're managing a happy, you know, 14 miles per gallon, right? Okay. And when I when I did the analysis, gas was like 450 over the summer. So literally, it would cost us about eight to nine hundred dollars a month in just gas to, to bring Whoa. my daughter Whoa. to school. Yeah, right. Uh, so then we're like, okay, my next column was, what if we got a more fuel efficient car? We used to have this little Fiat thing. Have you seen the Fiat Pops with the little convertible thing that I was, um, it Maybe. basically. I, I'm not a big car guy, so. Okay. It, I, I'll look, there was this movie, Italian Job, I think. Those were, were minis. They, yeah, yeah they had mini cars, right? So it looks yep. like a mini, but it's the Fiat version of the mini. Yeah. And they had a little convertible version. But anyway, this was a okay. car before the big SUV. <laughs> and, okay. And it was managing a good 40 miles per gallon, right? Literally three times, almost three times yeah. better than the Armada. So if we have went back to something like that, we would literally save over $500 a month in this gas you know, by using something like that. So then, you know, we compared that to a Prius, which is a hybrid that's halfway to where we want to be. And according to those numbers, the savings, this is savings, actual savings from what we would would pay, the delta, we would save instead of $550 a month with the 40 miles per gallon, we'd save about $600 a month. So okay. we realized maybe not that much of a savings going to 50, you know, 40 to 50 miles per gallon. Yep. And then the all electric version, the comparable at based upon what we saw was like a Nissan Leaf, right? Mm -hmm. And if you do the math, what I kind of ended up reading is that might add something close to 100 miles per gallon if you kind of average things out. Okay. In which case, the savings goes from $550 with the Fiat to $730 with the, okay. with the Leaf. So you are literally saving a good $180 extra a month going mm -hmm. to... Uh, the leaf and you're saving a good $730, you know, from staying yeah. with the Armada. So, um, what, or the, what the was SUV. the cost? What was the cost of the Fiat versus the cost of the leaf? Or well, the the, these are all comparable. We, we, we could find comparables between okay. the cost for these three. Well, what was the rough cost of those? Oh, uh, they're, they're, they're not much. They're like 10, 15,000, something like that. Okay. So, if you can save 7,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And she's gonna be in daycare for two years, and you're spending fifteen. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's your break even. Yeah, yeah. So we're like two year break even. We we actually we we bought the car. We we ended up okay. going with um a, a version of the the Fiat. Basically, we, okay. we really wanted the Fiat because it's a, a manual. We like the manual transmission. Oh, okay. And, yeah, my wife and I both enjoy those types of cars. They're they're more sporty. Mm -hmm. Um, but they didn't do so well on the, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the crash test, right? So that, oh. that's actually why we had switched from, we sold the Fiat originally and bought the big SUV. Um, yeah. so we ended up finding, um, one of the smaller Toyotas, which had like the five star, whatever crash yeah. rating for, for its category, but around the same price. And yeah, we're saving about five to $600 a month just because of that. Okay. Yeah. So the the like pure economic perspective, like uh you also could have chosen a different daycare that was closer. You also <laughs> could have moved closer to the daycare. Yeah. And like if you did that, you could also get the house with the solar on it. Yep. Uh so again, like it, it doesn't have to be just like 
buy the card for the computer. Like there's other options, but that is kind of like one of the easier versions. Yeah. Um, for my wife and I, one of the factors is that my wife does get motion sick on car rides and plane rides. So when we drive to Tahoe, she does a lot better if we can make it in one trip. And if we have to stop for bathroom breaks for me and the kids, then she's a little bit worse when we, when we get there. So that, that one trip does make a huge difference in our lives. And when we looked at Tesla's, the range wasn't quite there to get from the Bay area. We're on the peninsula to Tahoe in one charge. And so for us, uh, the other fact is like we, we, we like to go up in the snow, so we both need we both have four wheel drive. We have sometimes my parents will go up with us. Sometimes we'll take two cars, or we'll go up on different days. So both having four wheel drive is is also a little important for us. But I think that they'll get there. That's a little easier for them to get there. But that's one of the big reasons why we did not consider a Tesla. We thought about other electric or hybrid, um, in part because there's just we had some maintenance issues that like okay. Uh, she had like $6,000 worth of repairs is doing the repairs. Should we do that or just get a new car uh, or a used car, something like that. So we were thinking about that this summer. We ended up doing the repairs. Um, and But that's been on our mind for a decent amount. Like my car is a 2013, hers is a 2014. Uh, we, we've gotten pretty close to a, we're getting, getting up on a decades of use of the car. They will still work, but more maintenance like like be on the horizon but yeah the, when we start looking at our next car we do think we'd probably like a hybrid because that should be more effective in the range but maybe by the time we're looking that the batteries and technology has gotten good enough that we could get there on one charge so that, that that's what it kind of comes down to it's i think it is still personal decisions Doing the cost-benefit analysis really helps. It's, but it's not a definite yes or definite no. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think we're in that zone, you know, where it's shifting in that direction. We're yeah. probably not quite there yet, but you know, for what that means though is, depending on your situation, you could be there easily. And yeah. you know, for yeah. other situations, you might be there, but maybe not in five or eight years. But I, I think the trend is that direction. I, I also say that because, you know, for example, in California, there is actually a solar mandate where all houses and condos um, that need to obtain permits for building, you know, after 2020, they're going to require to have solar. Yeah. And similar for electric cars, I, I think in California, the, the notion is after two thir 2035, they're saying all cars will be zero emission. I believe not just California, several states have started to mandate that, that all uh -huh. car sales starting 2035 roughly will be zero emission. It's kind of both giving the um, car manufacturers time and incentive that no, you need to figure this out now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And New York was, so basically, you know, California tends to lead on these initiatives and then other states tend to follow. They, they led on, you know, like solar and renewables and all, all of that. So yeah, New York signed up this summer for the similar 2035 mandate for all electric. And what that essentially means is it's only a matter of time before any of the other states kind of follow along and frankly, what that means is if you're buying a car today, it might be your last non-electric car that you purchase. Yeah. yeah. Assuming you don't buy new cars every three years. Right. Yeah. That, that's the maybe part. <laughs> that, that's a whole different financial planning conversation. Right. Good stuff, Aaron. Yeah. Any, any kind of final thought on, again, seeing that chart and that drop, like, I, I think you're right. Like, Three, like it's it's hard to think of like my thought process pre-COVID and post-COVID, but I was having these types of conversations, but it's probably been three years. I probably was having similar conversations in 2019, and I don't know that my thought process would have changed much 
over the last over over the last three years. But seeing that, it's like no, you have to be aware. Like the things have changed so much so quickly that any any kind of that mental thought process when it came to solar or electric vehicles or energy efficiency, if if, if you're thinking about like five years ago, you're already out of date. Like it's, if you're going to do this, spend the time, uh, just a few minutes kind of doing that quick break-even analysis. Look at your, your, your electric bill, uh, look at your gas usage and you can make that comparison. It's, it's not that complex, but there's a decent chance that it's worth it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense to me. It, it's something where, even five years from now, it could be a whole different world just as it yep. was five years ago in, when it comes to this type of stuff. So for me, uh, it, it's it's quite exciting. Well, thanks everyone for listening and watching our first video podcast. I, I don't know if we should, what should we should call this because it, feel, it still feels like a podcast in terms of our conversation, but now we have charts. Yeah. Is there a new name? Is Streamcast a thing? Probably there's there's probably okay. some younger person who knows what it's actually called, a, a live okay. stream. It's probably wow. probably why Streamyard is called streaming. Right. I'll I'll solicit my daughter. Maybe you can do the same. <laughs> we'll figure this out. <laughs> okay. Well, it's great conversation today, Trisha. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. I enjoyed the conversation as well. And again, we're live now, so if you're listening to this or hearing from this do subscribe and share and like up and pass this on thanks everybody thanks bye we appreciate you joining us today for this episode of the mind money spectrum podcast be sure to visit mindmoneyspectrum.com to access the entire library of episodes remember it's not black and white, but the wide spectrum of gray area where you get to pursue the freedoms you want in life. Opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical as no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested directly. Have a nice day.